The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm Sapphire Master. My pronouns are him, his, and he. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. So, what are we drinking today? <laughs> it feels <laughs> what like are we, we not drinking? <laughs> it feels like we've been drinking like a week. Yeah, it's that 200th episode that's so challenging. Okay, right. this we're having the Dos Armadillos Reposado tequila. I love that tequila. It's just a really good, we're having Mexican food tonight and it'll yeah. work well with that. Yeah, I love it. Smooth. It's just got a great flavor. It really does. Oh, God, that's good. Mm. That's Mm. a tequila I could drink a lot of. It's amazing how great it is for sipping. We're on to our second bottle. That's how good it is. The first bottle we got through super fast. And we were shocked. And we were shocked (laughs) because we just kept drinking it. That's so good. You know, every once in a while, we run across somebody who's got skills and expertise in an area we've been, like, dancing around. Mm-hmm. We've talked to a couple of hypnotists right. and folks engaged in hypnotherapy. Yeah. Uh, one of whom is in the world of kink. And one who is and one who isn't. not. Right. And I ran across Catherine's information as yeah. a hypnotist in the world of sexuality. Yes. And I thought, hey, this will be an interesting conversation. So I'd like to welcome you, Catherine, to the conversation. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Ordinarily, we start these conversations by asking you just to share your journey in kink. So tell us sort of where you started and discovered yourself and how you got to where you are now and what you're up to. Okay, I will try to make that brief because it started a while ago. I started experimenting with kink about when I hit sexual maturity. I did not realize that it was kink back then. I just thought it was fun. And I had wonderful, willing partners and it was it was spectacular. And eventually I think we got deep enough into it that I I realized that maybe I should be reading about this, about what I was doing. And, uh, and I discovered that it was actually a thing that was a bit of a deviation. And I read uh, Consensual Sadomasochism, and I read some really good books and eventually got involved with the kink community and going to munches and parties and conferences and having a wonderful time with the community. And then I started doing it professionally because I was talking smack to some male submissive friends of mine and 
And they just kind of started throwing that out there saying, you should do that professionally. And, and so I was like, well, maybe I will. It did sound like a lot of fun. Uh, and I got involved in doing it professionally in about 2012, just before I got my certification in uh, hypnosis, which is another thing that I've always been fascinated by, just the concept of altered states of consciousness in general and how they take place naturally in different ways of creating altered states of consciousness. And BDSM is one of those ways to induce alternate states and, and alternate identities and whatnot. So they just seem to go together so perfectly. So I've just been, you know, practicing and playing at doing both of them ever since. Got it. That's fascinating. So can you share with us how you leverage your hypnosis skill set into your skill set in kink as a dominatrix? Man, well, there's uh, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. It's A lot of it is sort of using hypnosis to guide someone into a relaxed state of mind. And then depending on what it is that they're looking for in an experience, it can be pretty easy to, for example, enhance someone's experience of an identity that they are seeking out, like baby boy or girl or slave or submissive, something along those lines, using hypnosis to sort of envelop somebody in that identity and allow them to go deeper into it. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. You know, Lady Petra and I are in a dynamic. We have a, a DS dynamic. And what we've become present to is that she experiences subspace that occurs almost as a hypnotic trance in many ways. And she's very suggestible during those phases. And in some sense, the process that we have that's very protocol-oriented and predictable creates the context for her to experience that subspace moment that lets her become engaged fully in this submissive experience. And so I'm wondering, I'm wondering how what we're doing relates to what your experience of hypnosis is on one hand. And separately, I'm wondering, is there something else that I can do to enhance that experience for her? So I think what you and I are doing is very similar because, you know, like I was saying, BDSM is one of those things that induces a natural altered state of consciousness and people are going to be naturally suggestible, especially if they're, you know, when they're in a safe, healthy environment where they're free to be really open, are going to be naturally suggestible. And so it's a great opportunity to reinforce the sort of things that maybe they're looking for or that will enhance a relationship. As far as what you can do more, I I don't, it's hard to say without watching you play, you know, what sorts of things kind of enhance an altered state of consciousness. I want to pipe in a little bit. Been playing for over two years-ish, right? Practically every day. Yeah. And so... Obviously, I'm more comfortable with them over time. I'm collared now. You know, there's a whole deepening of our dynamic has, you know, changed over time. And as such, obviously, there's more trust in that and safe. It's not like in the actual act of flogging me, let's say, is necessarily what makes me dive into subspace. It may make me go deeper. It's a matter of like on a high protocol day, if I'm kneeling and waiting for him to come home and then he comes and takes the cane from me. 
literally like the sound of the chain that he then puts around my neck, I start to fall into that space, like almost immediately. There's no, I don't want to disrespect hypnosis, but there's no like watch hand swinging in front of my eyes or someone speaking softly to me and getting me to relax. It's literally like almost self-induced. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you're conditioned to go into that state when you experience that sensory phenomenon. Yeah. It's a trigger uh, for me. So I just was curious, like when you're, obviously it's probably different with each client you have, their mental state when you work with them, but are you doing things, is there a specific kind of pattern you use to get them into hypnosis state before play begins or is it while you're playing? Oh, that is such a good question. So it depends on the particular client or play partner. Some people, I will start off with a hypnotic induction and then make suggestions for our play. And then with other partners, I will use the play as the hypnotic induction. And then I will suggest things within our play. I would say that depends a lot on my mood and the rapport that I have with that partner. But both are great. Both are a lot of fun. And just because we have all kinds of listeners out there, kinky and vanilla, and we talked to an actual hypnotist who isn't in the kink realm, you know, you are in both in essence. And so what does it take to, to be a hypnotist? Like to say, I'm certified. What did you have to do to get to that place? I took a course. So you just, you take a certification course and I can't remember how many hours it was. It was like between three and six months of classes. And I got certified by the Knightsbridge Institute who does National Guild of Hypnotist certifications. Do you have to do practical time? Imagine with COVID, lots of courses are being done online and stuff. And so how do you know if what you're doing is working or do you have to get a guinea pig? You have to get a guinea pig and you have to be a guinea pig. Okay. It helps. uh, Well, it helped me anyway to be on both sides. And that's what we did in the certification course that I took. So we did lots and lots of practicing on both sides. And even then I didn't feel terribly comfortable with it. It took me like a couple of years to really build up confidence and doing hypnotic inductions and, and hypnosis techniques. You know, when I was a kid, I was a volunteer on a stage being hypnotized by a stage hypnotist, and I was completely not suggestible. And so I've always wondered about hypnosis, of how much of hypnosis comes down to the willingness of the subject to accept the suggestion. So much of it. <laughs> if someone, I mean, really, if someone's not interested in hypnosis, then I don't think they're they're going to be terribly hypnotized. I mean, it's so it's such a uh, or can be such a passive experience, and it only really gains power and momentum, I think, for people who are interested in it. Well, I was wondering if because you're hypnotizing folks in a sexualized context inside of a kink dynamic, if that enhances their willingness to participate just because BDSM is inherently hypnotic in any event. I don't know if enhances their willingness is the way that I would put it because we always discuss it ahead of time and figure out, you know, so they have to be willing before we start. There is a huge element of enhancing their comfort level, right? If someone, you know, has anxiety around the play that they're interested in, it can be super duper helpful. You know, letting go of inhibitions 
diving into the things that they've always wanted to do, but always held themselves back from. So that's the way I would put that. Gotcha. So this comes up, lots of people on the internet espousing that they can hypnotize you and they're not talking about any certifications. They're just saying, I'm a dom that can hypnotize you. And so I'm sure in your training, as well as just your own mindset of the ethics behind hypnosis, especially in the play you're doing as a professional dominé, if you end up taking on a client, how do you protect yourself in that arena when you've got a new client, let's say you've made these agreements about hypnosis, you hypnotize them and later they say, oh, no, you did some things I didn't want to have done. And I was under hypnosis, so then I wasn't consenting. I'm trying to dig into the idea of consent with hypnosis and the ethics behind that. So I've never come across an issue like that before. I suppose the best way that I go about protecting myself is having as open and clear and concise communication as possible. If I come across someone who is interested but seems to not quite be able to articulate what it is that they are looking for, then you know I, I might not be quite so willing to move forward with that person. The people that I engage with are very clear, very confident in what they are looking for. And I have a tendency to think that people who can communicate their needs and their desires well are a little bit safer. Gotcha. I agree. You talked about some of the folks who seek your help, people looking to, you know, overcome inhibitions or take on personas or, or, dynamics potentially what else do people seek your help with gosh all sorts of things well i mean i just put out a file the intention is designed to allow someone to transition with more ease so i do stuff around gender identity I do stuff around sexual orientation. I do couples hypnosis. It's actually very, very broad for such a niche situation. So there's uh, there's really a ton of stuff. A lot of people are sort of looking for a slave experience without actually being in a slave, master-slave relationship. So, yeah. Wow. Interesting. That's amazing. You're a hypnotist involved in, and you listed a whole range of things from sexual identity to slave to submission to Couples. taking on, you know, all, all the things you mentioned. What experience have you had that's, that you've left that experience and gone, gosh, that was really interesting? Okay, probably one of my favorites, which I actually I haven't done enough of this, and I really look forward to being able to do some more, is fantasy hypnosis. So it doesn't have any post-hypnotic suggestions. It is simply... Uh, taking someone into a hypnotic trance, bringing them through a fantasy, you know, completely putting them in that fantasy and then bringing them back out. The fantasy that I did this around was abduction fantasy. And I mean, primarily feminization. So my main character was a female. And so as the person who was receiving the hypnosis, I sort of, I put my client in the identity of the abductee. And then I, before that, I usually put in like a safe word suggestion. Like if this is ever getting too intense for you, your subconscious mind, you know, can say the word either, you know, to yourself or out loud red, and you will just pop out of hypnosis because it's pretty intense, I think. But I did think it was so wonderful. And I had a client that I was doing that with, and we just had um, a fabulous time. So I, I took her into this fantasy and abducted her and did all sorts of 
you know, nasty things to her and then brought her back out. And that was just so much fun. It's very cool. You said something just now that made me want to ask you about post-hypnotic suggestion. So what sorts of clients do you work with that you leave them with a post-hypnotic suggestion? And, and what do you expect that to do for them once they leave your immediate presence? So I work with all sorts of clients that I give post-hypnotic suggestions to. I, man, it's, I mean, it's, it's a lot. A lot of chastity uh, post-hypnotic suggestions. If someone is, you know, either unable to touch themselves or they can touch themselves as much as they want, but they can't come. I've done uh, quite a bit of ABDL uh, post-hypnotic suggestions, you know, wanting to wear diapers and wanting to wet diapers and sleep in a diaper and, and sort of engaging in that kind of play. And that works really well. A lot of devotion to your goddess kind of things, you know, like whether the goddess is me or someone else in their life, sort of a, a building sense that someone needs to be devoted to this superior female in their life. Stuff like that. So like any type of DS dynamic, there's agreement. So obviously ongoing clients or maybe you have a good idea, a firm grip of where they're at, but new clients are, you must have some kind of agreements and even agree, I'm assuming on the post-hypnotic triggers. Oh yeah, definitely. I and So they kind of know what they're getting into ahead of time. Yes. They're the ones that come to me with requests, wanting, you know, like a, a certain dynamic or wanting uh, certain suggestions. When the only time I do more of the steering myself is when someone explicitly requests that of me and, you know, says, I want you to make these decisions. You know, I want you to be the boss. I want you to be the mistress. And that takes a lot of trust for me. You know, I, I have to know that this person is really up for something like that, in which case I make sure I know what their hard limits are. And I just kind of move slowly in a way that allows us to build trust with each other. Yeah. It, really it sounds like just from this very short conversation that if you're a dominant or a dominatrix, mm -hmm. hypnosis would be an excellent sure. addition to have in yeah. your arsenal of ways to interact with your submissive. Wouldn't you agree? I agree wholeheartedly with you. Yes. Yeah. It's a wonderful tool and it's so much fun. Yeah. And does it work only face to face? I used to think that it had to be face to face before COVID. And now I understand that you can do hypnosis via webcam or over the phone. Yeah, it can be done in a lot of different ways. And it's still incredibly effective. In fact, over the phone might be more effective than webcam because I think maybe it's easier to focus on that one sensory input mode, but I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, webcam is fun, but phone seems to work really well. If you think about it, like when I've, I've been hypnotized on uh -huh. stage before, and uh, one of the things they had us do is close our eyes. Mm. And we had to listen to the directions while we were being put into a suggestible state. And so I, I see how you wouldn't have to. Yeah. Did the hypnosis work for you? Yes. So I only remember parts of things I did, but I did a lot. of. It was one of those, uh, the naughty hypnotists in Vegas. Uh -huh. Probably five or six of us out of 20 that ended up really getting into it. 
you know, I think I held several sexual devices on stage. And then I went out into the audience, was told there are rats underneath the chairs. So I was like walking on top of chairs, telling people, don't put your feet down. There's rats down there, you know, or something. But what's weird is I knew I was doing it the whole time, but I was okay with it. It wasn't like I blacked out and I didn't remember what happened. I was kind of in this foggy place. Yeah, I have a a client who describes his state in a similar way. Like he he knows it's not happening, but it's a very strong hallucination is kind of the way that he describes it. And it's just as easy to go along with it. Yeah, you don't really have resistance to it. Yeah. It's almost, it's a state of like, it feels fun, like play almost. You don't fight it. Yeah. If I was interested in learning more about adding hypnosis to my bag of tricks, where should I start? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Like without going and getting um, a certification yourself? Yeah, just, you know, if I'm interested in learning more about it and wanting to pick up some essential skills or just understand the construct behind it so that I could incorporate some of those lessons and concepts into my dynamic. How would I go about doing that? So I guess my favorite hypnosis book is Integrative Hypnosis. It's just called Integrative Hypnosis. I don't remember who the author is, but I don't think it would be difficult to find. So I would suggest starting off with that. It's a really good read. And, and then I would just practice, 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 because that's really what will work the best. When my hypnosis instructor used to say, you just have to, you know, push your talking button. And, and then beyond that, if I wanted to pursue a certification, what's the next step? So uh, the, you know, the only certification I am familiar with is the one that I took, which is the Knightsbridge Institute. That's in Southwest Portland, a couple of different places that you can go sorry that's my my dog yeah um okay so the school in in portland and then is that an in-person situation or is that uh something i can do online you know i don't know what they're doing these days for me it was in person that was back in 2013 so i don't know what's up you know like with covid or i mean i'm guessing they're doing online classes now most people are what did your in-person training look like? Um, it was it was a few days a week, a few hours in the morning. We would go, my instructor held it at his house. He had this pretty house in Southwest Portland and it was a small class. There were like six or seven of us. It was pretty small, but it was a really neat course and uh, we all got to know each other really well and it was very um, personal. I liked it a lot. And then like with a certification, are you, you know, at that point, truly, I mean, I know where you've kind of taken into your domination stuff professionally, but you could also hang a shingle and do other types of hypnosis, or maybe you are doing that. Meaning like typical thing I can think of is stop smoking or losing weight or those types of things. Yeah, you can do it for anything. It's a wonderful thing to use for pretty much anything that you can think of. I've Helped friends stop smoking with it, helped friends lose weight with it. I have one client that uh, he likes a combination of erotic hypnosis and lifestyle suggestions. And so, you know, I'll take him through this ultra sexy scenario and then, you know, kind of like plug in these lifestyle suggestions when he's not paying attention about, you know, getting up early and and lifting weights and eating healthy and, you know, like being, you know, super engaged sexually. And 
it's really kind of fun. So you can do any and all. Is part of your training neuro-linguistic programming, the NLP stuff, or is that completely separate from what you're up to? No, you have to do NLP in order to get your hypnosis certification. So that was like, it was almost like um, a separate course that was integrated into our training. Yeah. All right. Well, I really appreciate you being on. If you wanted to direct people to be able to find you, where should they look for you? Uh, so I have two websites. One is katherinedyer.com and the other one is hypnoticdom.com, but they'll both come to me. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. So, Catherine, thank you so much for taking time this afternoon to chat with us. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. This has been fun. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Thank you.